0: You are listening to the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network. This is Drive Time with Travis Wingfield. Back to throw to a looking. Flips it down,
1: the wide open! <laughs> Touchdown, Tyreek Hill! Unbelievable! Just flew by him for a second time. Tua knew where he was going right
2: away.
3: I the hit of that little man.
1: Hope you soon jump on his bandwagon, Waddle. Waddle to a shotgun, back to throw, looking steps up, fires touchdown again. It. It's Waddle, his sixth touchdown, six touchdown pass of, of the game. Kid.
0: Drive time with Travis Wingfield begins now.
1: Let we check your pulse if you're not fired up?
0: What is up,
4: Dolphins fans, and welcome to the Drive Time podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins podcast network, covering your team your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and on today's show, it's a bonus episode of the Drive Time Podcast. We're bringing you one more show this week to cover the Wednesday media availabilities of Chris Greer, Marvin Allen, Tua Tungavailoa, and Xavier Howard. We'll hear about the team's approach heading into the draft, Tua's off-season training, and how that continuity in year number two benefits him. First time he's had the same play caller in back-to-back years since high school, plus Xavian Howard on teaming up with Jalen Ramsey, and much, much more. All of that and more from the Baptist Hell Studios inside the Baptist Hell Training Complex. This is the Drive Time Podcast. Yeah. So we heard from. GM Chris Greer and assistant GM Marvin Allen on Wednesday. And they opened up, or Chris Greer did rather, with a message about South Florida sports, talking about the Panthers and the Heat and the Marlins off to a good start. And I'm with you there, Chris. This is one of the best times on the calendar outside of the September through January, I suppose, the football months. Not to mention you've got succession right now. You've got Barry. You've got Dave great time for TV, great time for sports, great time to get back into football. Let's go ahead and go next to uh, to the process of landing Jalen Ramsey and there was a great piece up on Albert Breer's MMQB where he talked about the contract or not the contract the negotiations rather for the trade to get Ramsey in South Florida and it really painted Chris Greer in a great negotiation light in terms of how he kind of set his price point set his number and wouldn't come off of it I highly encourage y'all to go back and check that out if you have not seen it yet as the Dolphins were able to get Ramsey due in large part to that negotiation tactic but also because Ramsey pretty much had Dolphins or nobody else was, was his, uh, or stay in Los Angeles, I should say, was his objective this off season. Here's Chris Greer talking about the process that brought Ramsey, the star corner down to Miami.
1: It was, you know, um, you guys have heard us talk for years
2: about uh, opportunities. We always investigate and, and do that. So we did our uh, work, um, you know, they reached out about him um, Les and I have known each other for years and we've talked and so we had talks for a couple of weeks and, and then at the end of the day um, for us it made sense for the player of who he is after we um, talked to people around him and um, uh, so we're very excited to add him. Um, he's uh, been a very good player in this league still think he's a very good player and, and uh, he has a good relationship with Zavian. so I know they were excited Zavian <laughs> texted me right away when he saw it so, I think for us, it was uh, the opportunity to add a a, a very good player at us, so we're very excited.
4: I want to break down this next answer that we heard from Marvin Allen because I I thought it was really intriguing for a question that I was concerned, or not concerned, but curious to to find an answer about with this year's class. And and my example would be talking about the defensive line position where you have both Christian and Zach Sealer. Remaining on you know the final year of their deals right now, or Christian on the fifth year option, Zach on the final year of his deal, and not really having much depth beyond those guys. I mean, Rayquan Davis is in that group, but he plays a different position than those guys. So you really don't have much beyond them on the depth chart. And so, do you approach the draft in a way where you say we want to go after a a, a bigger current need, but also we have this you know potential need that could pop up in the future? Do, how much value do you put on that? And so this question was asked to Marvin Allen about the immediate impact versus long-term projection of wide receiver Eric Azucama and linebacker Channing Tindall, and I want to go ahead and play the answer first, and we'll come back on the other side and talk more about that. Here's Marvin Allen.
1: Yeah, I think when we selected them, we knew the the progression for both of them would be you know, in the future, so you, you get guys and you want to give them a chance to sit back and learn and do some things on special teams, but knowing that their value would be much more down the line than it was like immediately.
4: And I love that answer because it's not, you know, we we get this pigeonholed almost into this idea that the Dolphins are only concerned about this season trying to go in a championship this year, but literally the directive from the owner back you know, in 2019, when they really started the the process of putting together what the current roster is, like that's when it started, right? In terms of, you know, <laughs> peeling back some of the bad contracts and bad decisions made by previous regimes and, and installing what Chris Greer has built here was that we wanted to be sustained winners, not pop up for a couple of years and then go back into, you know, the basement. And it hasn't really worked out that way necessarily. They've been consistent winning nine, 10 games a year, which is good. And they are one of the top teams in terms of total wins. Over the last three years in the entire National Football League, you haven't had the deep playoff runs that you would hope come with that. But sustaining that success and being flexible enough in your roster to improve it in ways that doesn't make it so you have to have a you know a deck clearing type of year like some clubs have to go through every couple of years. It's beneficial and in my my opinion, preferential to the alternative. And so when you think about last year with Channing Tyndall and having what was it, four linebackers on one-year contracts and planning, like, let's get Tyndall in the building, knowing that he's probably going to be mostly special teams and occasional, you know, role player, spy Justin Fields for a few snaps in a game, which wound up being really his only uh, significant snaps on defense. Um but the planning of knowing that you might be losing guys in certain areas. Maybe we get Channing in the building and work with him for a year. So that come year two, he's ready to take on a bigger role in that linebacker room or for Eric as for example. And and we'll go, we'll hear from Chris Greer on Cedric Wilson here in a minute, talking about that acquisition and how that came to be and the role that Wilson eventually took on. But I think it's, really cool to see this team be aggressive in the sense that you can go out and acquire immediate impact guys and use your draft capital in that way to improve the team right now, which Tyreek does, right? Bradley Chubb does. Teron Armstead, I wasn't a trade, but Teron Armstead does. Jalen Ramsey does. But they're also all still here for year two, but in the sense that having a player on a rookie contract who can maybe use a year or two to get their feet wet, and then by year three or four, maybe you have – a bona fide, solidified starter who gives you, you know, 800, 900 good snaps in a season, on that rookie deal, that's how you balance the aggressiveness. So having both of those frames of mind in mind and having a multi-year approach, that's high level to me. So you hear him talk about Channing Tyndall, Eric Azucama, uh, the progression there for them in year number two looks to be more in line with playing time compared to year number one. And it makes me think about this year's draft class and what that might look like because as we'll talk about on an episode next week, a guy like Keanu Benton from Wisconsin would make a lot of sense because it's maybe not an immediate need, but it could be a need in the year near future. And you always want to be prepared for stuff like that. And the, the beauty of having a, a good roster and the luxury of having a good roster is that you can do that and prepare for years down the road. So interesting stuff there. Let's go ahead and take our first break right there and come back on the other side and continue Chris Greer and Marvin Allen speaking to the media on Wednesday ahead of next week's NFL Draft. We'll also come back and hear from Xavier Howard and the man himself, quarterback Tua Tungabailoa. All of that's next. Draft Time Podcast, your host, Travis Wingfield. We are brought to you by Auto Nation.
3: Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: Next portion of the Chris Greer-Marvin Allen Wednesday, April 19th media availability from the Baptist Health training complex here was, he was asked, I should say, about the potential extension of defensive tackle Christian Wilkins, who just Had a monster year. I told you guys I've been going back and watching the tape from last year again, or the broadcast versions, I should say. And that Chargers game that Christian had is one of the best Dolphins performances we've seen. And so he was, man, he dominated that entire game. Start to finish, pass, rush, run, defense, everything in between. Let's go ahead and play next the answer from Chris Greer about Christian Wilkins and his future and the potential for a contract extension with this year's fifth-year option from that rookie deal?
2: Um, I've had some good talks with his agent. Um, you know, um, as I've always said, we're going to keep those conversations private. Um, but um, excited for Christian. He's a very good player here. You know how we feel about him. We've talked about what he's done, what he's done on and off the field for us. Um, so we're, we're still working through it. But um, hopefully we can get him here and keep him here for a long time
4: up next Chris Greer was asked about the defensive tackle position and tight end and how the Dolphins might approach and attack that in the draft here's Chris Greer on those particular potential team needs and Miami's approach at those positions interesting note here about all the positions that have been here for visits except for one
2: yeah I think well you know we're our approaches we're um, evaluating every position going through it very thoroughly to every position we've had uh our 30 visits that you like to track and you do your work, uh, you know, your inspector Clouseau stuff on it. And, uh, you know, for us, um, it, it's every position. So we brought in guys that have from, uh, basically every position except quarterback <laughs> into, into the building. Um, so for us, we'll, we're always looking for, uh, good players that compete for roster spots cause that's how we can get better with competition.
4: Great question here from Mike cuno uh, posing this to Chris Greer about, Any potential options to move up in this year's draft class? Any players that kind of pique your interest in terms of going up from 51? Here's Chris Greer on the activity and the phone calls he has received about the potential of moving up maybe even into the first round.
2: We've had a couple teams in the bottom half of the first round reach out about saying they would be interested in coming down possibly uh, if their guys aren't there and if we'd be interested in moving. So for us, we'll, you know, again, we... Any opportunities we can to to get a player, we'll look at it. But um, no serious conversations, but we've had had those, and um, we'll keep those options open.
4: Got a great question here as well from Daniel Oyafusi, who asked about the trade for Tyreek Hill and Marvin Allen's role within that trade, since he was there on staff with the Chiefs when they drafted Tyreek. Uh, the culture fit about knowing what he was in Kansas City and bringing him here to Miami to fit in with the Dolphins' culture under Mike McDaniel with Tua Tunga Here's Marvin Allen on the acquisition of Tyreek Hill and what he brought, not just on the field but as a competitor as well.
1: When he got here, just to see the him take a leadership role and to you saw the I saw the same competitive spirit I saw in Kansas City where he competed every day and we didn't have a. A defensive back on the roster that could cover him and when he got here I felt the same way you know I mean he could run by anybody but just to see him take the role in the locker room as a man just you know matured and became a leader and was you know held accountable was really you know great to see.
4: For posterity the earlier point I made about Chris Greer touching on the linebacker position having Four players on one-year deals a season ago. Here he is talking about uh, best player available, almost at BPA, versus drafting for need. Here's the Dolphins' GM.
2: It's it's still a balance, you know, because at the end of the day, you always have to look long-term, and there's guys here, you know, just being realistic on one-year deals. So um, you may have a position you think is deep, but, uh, you know, like last year, we had I think four linebackers on one year deals, you know, so I think, um, you always look for the best player. Um, and then there's some occasions where you, you do take a uh, position in need, but you try not to draft on need. Cause I think that's again, where you get in trouble
4: moving right along here, the acquisitions of Braxton Berrios and chosen Anderson. Here's Chris are talking about adding to the receiver room.
2: Braxton, obviously, um, He's been a good returner in this league. Uh, we've known him, obviously, from the University of Miami here and um, met him at Miami Day a few years ago, and we liked him. And at that time, Adam Gase loved him, you know. And, uh, so just watching him over his career, he's a professional and, and great teammate, and it's been fun just getting to know him again in the building here over the last couple of days. Um, but um, he'll be our returner uh, as well as uh, playing some slot receivers. So uh, excited for the versatility and the things he can do. Uh, as far as chosen, um, that had been going on for a couple of weeks. Uh, his agent reached out to us and, uh, you know, him being a South Florida guy wanted to come play home. Uh, so as we kind of worked through it, talking with his agent, and we told him we, we wanted him to come in and spend some time with him and get to know him and, and so he and I talked one day for about an hour and a half, and he got Mike for over an hour, and he and West talked for a bunch for over a couple of days. So um, once we went through it and we, we, both sides, because I told him, don't rush through this decision, don't just because it's home. Um, talk to those other teams that are interested in you and make your decision what's best for you because you know, we have two dynamic players that are the starters, and he understands that. So we told him, you know, what the role would be and and, st- and he was excited and all in on it and was excited to come here. So I um, enjoyed getting to know him and, and talk to him. So I'm um, excited to add him.
4: One more receiver question here about Cedric Wilson. And I love the answer here because it tells you that the Dolphins, even when they have, you know, adequate, i sh- maybe is the wrong word, but adequate at one spot is never enough to rest on your laurels, thus going out and getting a player like Tyreek Hill, even after you sign Cedric Wilson, you're going to hear Chris Greer here say that he was the number two at that point before the Tyreek Hill trade. But here he is talking about the professional approach of Cedric Wilson and the fact that some teams have called with interest about the Dolphins wide receiver.
2: Well, I would say, yeah, it's a very talented room, uh, which was, you know, going back to chosen too. we didn't promise him anything. We said, we got some good young players here that are pushing for time. And he understood that. So Cedric is, yeah. Um, was signed here to be the number two at the time and, and then we made the trade for Tyreek and uh, but how he handled himself he's an incredible professional like volunteering to return kicks for us again at the end of the year he, he saved us and uh, uh, won us some games with some key returns that probably people don't even really give him credit for um, so uh, the expectation is here now we've had teams call and ask about well, whether we're not shopping him but teams have called and especially when we just um, added chosen uh we've had a couple teams reach out so um again he's a he's a really good guy and i've tried and do right by him because i always handled himself on and off the field
4: uh, we'll finish up right here before we hear from xabian howard and Tua vailoa the running back position running it back in terms of everyone coming back all four guys back in the room from the room last year, this year. But here's Marvin Allen talking about the approach of all those guys being on that one-year deal and heading into the draft with flexibility for the position.
1: I mean, the running backs we have, obviously, we like them. Uh, they, you know, we brought them back, and you know they're coming in on one-year deal. So obviously, we're going to keep our heads open to see what's available in you know the upcoming draft and free agency. We, we're looking at all opportunities to bring in. Good football players so you know obviously running back is a is a key component in this offense so we're gonna you know look for the best players we can find
4: really good stuff there if you guys want to stream this in its entirety as well as the Tua a by and xavian howard media availabilities you can do so on the team youtube channel get over there and check that out let's go ahead and take our last break right here and come back on the other side and play the highlights from x from tua that's next drive time podcast your host travis wingfield
1: I said, I said OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because it ain't I it?
3: <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: Let's go ahead and kick this thing off with the X-Man who talked first about the off-season training program and what he's been working on this off-season, the new defensive scheme, all that fun stuff. Here's Miami's Pro Bowl and former All-Pro cornerback, Xavier Howard.
1: New defensive scheme, you know, I got to come in and um, understand the defense is a new scheme, so, you know, I just got to get used to it.
4: We long on this podcast speculated this might be the case with Xavier Howard and playing some more zone coverage, having eyes back on the quarterback. Here he is talking about the potential of being able to have his eyes back on the quarterback and how that might be conducive to more takeaways.
1: Yeah, I get my eyes on the quarterback, it'll be something different. You know, I'm always... I'm not looking at the quarterback, so now I get my eyes on the quarterback and understand route concept. I feel like that'll help my, help my game.
4: He talked about Jalen Ramsey again as well, but you guys have kind of heard that, so I want to go ahead and play one more here for you with Xavier Howard. About Cater Kohu and his rookie year, what did X think of the bright rookie with the bright future here in South Florida?
1: Man, that guy got better each game. I'm you know, um, looking forward to seeing him. It's his second year, excited for him. And I feel like he can do a lot of great things out there.
4: Short and sweet there, which we'll do that same thing here with Tua Vailoa and, and not try to beat these same questions to death 44,000 times in a row going back several months now. Let's go ahead and hear from Tua about what he's been learning in these jujitsu classes. Uh, he mentioned basically how to fall, some grappling techniques, but how they teach it. Here's Tua on what he's been going through this offseason in his training to try to make himself more preventable, preventative measures to head injuries.
0: I mean, we used like crash pads to to land on first with trying to fall obviously with tucking your chin that that was that was one of the the deals but it it went a lot more into the technique of of how to disperse your energy when you fall um kind of like the posture you want to be in and if you're not presented that posture what are other you know things that you can um you know do to to help you disperse the energy when you fall. So it, it, it's a lot of those things. And, um, it's actually, it's actually a lot cooler than, than, uh, than you think when you hear of learning how to fall.
4: I wanted to play this follow up for two reasons, because one, I think it's a good question. I was thinking the same thing. Like when you're getting sacked in, in a game where it's, you know, live bullets and you have to react in a split second, how can you apply that? But also two, the answer to that question is the fact that to a, since he was pretty much able to walk has been training to be a professional athlete. And that repetition makes your muscle movement, muscle memory, second nature, which is the same thing. So here's Tua talking about how you apply that to the football field.
0: Well, I've been falling a lot, um, this off season. So I think just like anything else, you continue to train it, you continue to work at that, you know, it becomes second nature. Then you, you know, when, when a situation like that does happen, uh, you know, it's not something new that's presented to you, and for you know guys at my position, you know, we we barely get hit if if that throughout practices, um, throughout the off season, uh, even going into training camp, I mean, we don't even get touched. You know, until um, the season starts. So, I mean, you know, with with jujitsu, I've been I've been thrown airborne. I've been <laughs> I've been put in uh, many uncomfortable positions you know, for, for me to learn how to fall and try to, um, you know, react throughout those those positions that I'm getting uh, thrown around in.
4: Let's wrap up that conversation, that side of it, with this last Q&A here about the decision to return to the football field and why he just can't envision walking away from this sport that he's been playing his entire life.
0: Yeah, that's, that's a good question. Um, yeah, I, I think I, I considered it, um, you know, for, for a time, Um, Having sat down with my family, um, having sat down with my wife, and having those kind of kind of conversations, but uh, really, it it would be hard for me to 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 walk away from from this game with with how old I am. With I mean, with my my son, I I always dreamed of growing, you know, playing as long as I could to where my son knew exactly what. You know, he was watching his his dad do, and um, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's my health, it's my body, it, you know, and I I feel like this is what's best for me and 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 my family. So, I mean, I I love the game of football. You know, if I didn't, I would have quit a long time.
4: How about the other areas of your game you've been working on this off season, two? Well,
0: there's there's been a lot of uh, areas. Um, Obviously, strength work has, has been um, really big throughout this off season for me. With um, you know getting my legs under me, um, kind of you know building my upper body, building around my neck, um, you know my my core, uh, all of that has um, been taken into consideration, and you know been doing a lot more, um, you know to to try to help myself, you know sustain the season.
4: Let us go ahead and finish up here about the question I've been asking everybody from Daniel Jeremiah to Mike McDaniel to Greg Cosell to Benjamin Solak, the value of having continuity within the same offense for the second straight year, which for Tua is the first time since high school he can say that. Here's Tua on coming back to the exact same offense with the same play caller for the second
0: straight year. It's uh, It's been a lot better of an offseason knowing that, uh, you know, I don't have to learn a new system. I don't have to learn new formations, uh, new motions, new snap points, new cadences. Um, it's good to, to know that, you know, I already have a year under my belt within the offense. And, uh, you know, there's always gonna be nuances, but, you know, it's not like a drastic change. So this is, this is really good. This is, I mean, this is good because of the guys that we have as well that have been with us um, last year. Uh, under the same system, and uh, we're all really, really excited to to get things going.
4: I would once again urge you to check out these videos on the YouTube channel because his face lit up when he said that last part there about how excited they are to get things going. Which I believe him. I'm I'm fired up too. I think this team's gonna be very good this year, led by a very good quarterback, and I cannot wait to see it all play out. All right, that's going to be my time today. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Make sure you tune back in tomorrow. We have Jordan Reed, the great Jordan Reed from ESPN, going to break down this NFL draft class for us. Next week, Kyle Krabs joins the podcast, and then I will have my personal draft show with some media availability coverage as well. Before we get into the actual draft coverage on Friday and Saturday, check out the Fish Tank podcast with Seth and Juice. Go ahead and follow me on Twitter at Wingful NFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Go to that YouTube channel. Check out the media availability. Check out Dolphins today and much, much more there. And last but not least, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up. Caroline and Cameron. Daddy's coming home.